You are listening to the Restoration LA podcast. For more, visit us at restorationla.org. Good morning, church. How's it going? Everybody good? All right. Hey, so we've been in our series now about Jesus the Son, and um, what a privilege it is to be able to preach uh, in this series. Um, I wanted to come from the life of Jesus um, as the bread of heaven, the bread that was given to us um, and given to the world. But when we go into it, I want us to take a look at it from um, the standpoint of what actually took place. And I'm coming out of John chapter six. So I'll be in John chapter six, and I'm just going to kind of narrate and give us a backdrop of what actually took place here as far as the feeding of the 5,000, uh, the conversation that took place with Jesus, with, um, uh, with the 5,000 and with the Jews, actually, about the religious leaders and be able to put some um, bullets in there and make some points. But more than anything, if we have time, I'd like to pray as well. So the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000, if you're ever familiar with that, is a profound, a profound miracle. And so when we read that and you read that text, and you read it like in all four gospels. So, you know, it has some uh, some substance, the fact that it's in each of the gospels in all of the gospels. So when you read it, you're going to get some different perspectives in there. But yet it's going to be the same content no matter what. So the miracle of feeding the 5000 remarkable in itself, as I mentioned, uh, the event is recorded in all four gospels. I mentioned, but it's happened to be with the little boy's lunch. Isn't that amazing. A little boy a lunch consisted of five loaves of bread and two fish. And as Jesus lifted the baskets to heaven, he actually blessed it. He released it to heaven. He blessed the food and it multiplied and it fed everyone where everyone was satisfied. They were satisfied, but there's another story to it. So it's the next day, the next day, the people were hungry again and they were hungry. And as they were hungry, they were calling out again for another miracle. They wanted something again, again. I like that word again, because I'm going to touch on that word again. For some of you college students in here and you high school seniors and those who are graduating or even some of you junior high school kids, I have a story for you again. But the next day it says that they came back and the feeding of the 5,000. Just want to put something else to this as well. Say something else to it rather started out on a grassy field, right? Where Jesus had told the disciples to just have them to sit down so they can begin to uh, feed them. And as they fed them, um, they were astonished by it. And then they came back the next day and they were hungry. And when they came back, they wanted another field, another, uh, another field of their daily bread. And if we know anything about the people during that time, they were extremely poor. And so their poverty level was to the point where um, it's going to be a little bit challenging for us to be able to, I think, as Americans. And because this does this this took place then. But we have to understand something in civilizations today. This still applies where there's a shortage of food and where people really have to rely on the power source of God to begin to provide for their daily needs. When we have the ability to go into a supermarket and have so many selections and then we hear, and then, you know, 
I don't make light of this, but with our homeless population, there is, there's programs and there's things set in place. And with those who may be on a little bit um, challenge side in some other areas, there are still some other aids and opportunities to, to be able to um, have food supply uh, you know, in our bodies, which is great. That's wonderful. It's wonderful. But we can also live in the privilege and not understanding what the responsibility looks like. So when we live in a privilege of something, we can often take it um, extremely for granted. And then we begin to live in uh, like little children, like we expect, you know, a toy given to us. And and when we don't receive that toy, we can throw a, a fit. So in this case, you can throw a spiritual fit. All right. Yeah. So, yeah, the background uh, takes place on a grassy field. But it actually... Um, Started with 5,000. But as Jesus begins to um, kind of hit some points home with the 5,000, they eventually begin to leave. And as they leave, the crowd now becomes very minimum now. And I'm just kind of giving you an overall backdrop. And the crowd then begins to go to the other side of the lake, which is Capernaum. And in between there is one of the greatest miracles you can read about Jesus walking on the water. But they began to go on the other side. And so now this discussion really takes place in a synagogue where there's now 5,000 people. 5,000 wouldn't be able to fit in the synagogue. But now you see there's just these religious folks in there, the religious leaders in there. And Jesus begins to drive some conversations with them that really is just like going into some deep waters. It's like uh, fighting underwater. I don't know what that's like, but there's some there's some good fights taking place here. But uh yeah, let's read chapter 6, verse 25, verse 40. It says, when they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, very truly, um, you are looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed because of you ate the loaves and had your fill. <clears throat> Excuse me. You do not work for food. He says, you do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life which the son of man will give you it says for on him, God, the father has placed his seal of approval. And then they asked him, what must we do to do the works of God requires? And Jesus answered, answered the work of God is this to believe in the one who he has sent. So they asked him, what sign then will you give that will, that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness as it is written. He gave the bread from heaven to eat. And Jesus said to them, very truly, I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Man, come on. So God so loved the world that he what? He gave his only son that whosoever shall believe will have what everlasting life, right? Church will have everlasting life. And so verse 34 says this. So, so sir, they said, always give us this bread. And then Jesus declared, I am the bread. I am the bread of life. And whoever comes to me will never hunger or uh, go hunger. I'm go hungry. I'm sorry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me and still do not believe. All those the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will never drive away, for I have come down from heaven not to do 
my will, but to do the will of him who has sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me that I shall lose none of those. Thank you, Stephen. I shall lose none of those he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. For my father's will is that everyone who looks to the son and believes in him shall have eternal life. And I will raise them up in the last day. Man, that is profound. I just encourage you to go in and read that whole uh, entire uh, chapter and read the other um, selections in the Gospels as well about um, the feeding of the 5,000. And then tied into what Jesus is saying here about um, this thing of what we're going to touch on, everlasting life. And also he's going to touch on salvation and some roundabout points here. But nevertheless, just go back and read it. My mother, to give you a story, was a high school English and reading teacher. And I remember as a young boy having my mother help prepare me for my test in school. Ah, grueling. <laughs> I love mom. Her repetition techniques of memorizing my notes would often exhaust me mentally. It would exhaust me mentally to the point where I would cry. I wasn't tortured. I just was mentally exhausted. Went into some deep water, some late nights. But the results paid huge dividends. And often years later, after just having those study sessions with my mother, I can still remember those words echoing in my ear. And those words were this. Repeat it again, repeat it again, 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 again. And after repeating the notes that I had taken and repeating them again and again and again, she would ask me this question. Now, what does it mean? <laughs> what does it mean? Jesus says six times that he is the bread who came down from heaven to give life to the world. Six times again. Again, again, and again, Jesus said to them in verse 32, Jesus said to them very truly, I just want to tie in some notes here. Very truly, I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my father who gives you the true bread from heaven. Jesus actually corrects his listeners that it was not Moses, but God who is the giver of the bread of life. This focuses on the people on where uh, to be thankful, who are they truly to be thankful for, and also indicates where Jesus truly comes from. Because by when you're saying that Jesus did not mean, I'm sorry, that Jesus did not mean that the manna did not have any food value. He wasn't saying that, that it didn't have any food value. He's basically saying this. It does not produce any sustaining spiritual value. There's no substance to it. There isn't anything of life in it. And so the manna served the purpose of this, folks, of survival food in the wilderness for those who had came out of slavery in the nation, for the nation of Israel. Something about survival food. Um, survival food just doesn't have the sustenance physically that we need. Survival food is basically it, survival food. But we have to eat food, right? We must eat food, right? Food is vital. And we're going to tie that into some points later on. Now, the Exodus account gives us some more backdrop to the story as well. 
Because we see in Exodus 16, verse 11 through 18, says this, that the children of Israel received manna in the desert for their daily nourishment. Moses informed the nation of Israel while in the wilderness, God would provide food from heaven in the form of manna. The one gathered much in the desert did not have too much. The one who gathered little did not have too little. Is that proper English? I don't know, but whatever, it's in the Bible. So I'm going to go with it as well. Too much, too little, whatever. (laughs) He who had too much did not have too much. He who had too little did not have too little. I love that language, right? Don't you like that? So when we read this, we have to understand this, that everyone had gathered just as much as they needed. And then Moses said to the people, no one is to keep any of it until morning. However, some of them paid no attention to Moses and they kept part of it, meaning the manna until the next morning. And when they did this by keeping the manna, well, guess what happened? It was full of maggots and it began to rot and it actually began to spoil and it began to smell pretty bad. You see, there's something about when we begin to just not pay attention to the instructions given, well, even in Moses' day, because he's getting the people, this is physical food, and even in physical food, the nation of Israel to rely on the power of God to be their provider. Something about the, uh, the power of God. And I want to touch on this about uh, having a heart for people as well, too. Just being compassionate for those around us. Because when we see those in our society who may be in a place of uh, um, just not enough, like the children of Israel lived in that place of not enough. They also lived in a place of, um, they were supposed to live in a place of just enough and then a place of more than enough. When we live in these balances of life, uh, there's another, uh, there's a supply that is provided. And I believe that's by the church, the people of God. The church also, just bringing into context today, that we have an opportunity to be able to be those who can see others around us have uh, their daily bread met. But more than anything, we can see them walk in the power of God. We don't want to just leave them in a place of physical food, but we want to see them transform into walking in the power of God. Yes. In the book of Mark, Philip actually wanted the people to leave. Get this. He wanted the people to leave uh, in the feeding of the 5,000. He didn't want to have anything to do with it. Say, hey, just tell them to go away. Just leave them alone. Just tell them to go away. Philip tells Jesus it would take a half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one of them to have a bite. Just a bite. It would take a half a year's wages. So it would take over like 200. That was equivalent to over 200 days of labor, right? And so when we're talking about in term of their daily bread, we're talking about the 5,000 now, their daily bread in the Greek, it literally means this, that it is defined either day by day. In other words, food sufficient for that day. These are extremely poor people in oppressed situation just for that day. Have you ever heard church? Have you ever heard this? You are what you eat. What type of food are we eating? Jesus pointed out there are two types of food. Food for the body, which is necessary, right? And food for the spirit, which is essential. 
essential food is sustenance from God. It has to do with being in a relationship with Jesus. And so Jesus is not just talking about spiritual food to satisfy you or quench you just for a moment. He's talking about being in a relationship with you, a, a relationship, no matter what takes place, transpires in your life, that it is never changing or unmoving. And you are going to be um, as the, as the, as the John 15 text, I remain in you and you are to remain in me apart from me. You can do absolutely nothing that we are to be as just seared into the power of Jesus by the power of his blood, by his work on the cross. Amen. All right. All right. Again, what are we eating church? What are we eating? Jesus said, Jesus is saying, I want to give you food that will never perish, spoil or fade away. And then it's verse 35. He says this, then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And whoever believes in me will never thirst or be thirsty again. What is Jesus saying when he says, I'm the bread of life church? Well, Jesus means this, that we are not satisfied spiritually unless we know him and we must know him by, and we must be known by him. And also we are able to make him known. We are not spiritually satisfied unless we have Jesus in our lives or to be more blunt, we cannot live victoriously spiritually without Jesus. Our life is anchored in Jesus. Jesus is the bread of life. And this parallels with the request for the Samaritan woman at the well. If you remember that account where the Samaritan woman um, who was shame, um, who uh, walked in guilt, um, who just, by all account, did not want to go to this well at this particular time because the other ladies and the, the people in the community revered her as being just unworthy and just began to, to undervalue who she was. And so she had this in her mindset about who she was. So she drew her water at a different time from the other ladies at the well. So when we look at this Samaritan woman that drew her water, remember the story of this woman at the well. The material water would quench her thirst temporarily. The spiritual water will quench the inner thirst forever, forever. The water in the well had to be drawn up with labor. There was a physical activity to draw the water from this particular well, a physical labor, right? But get this church. Remember this, read this account. If you have an opportunity, but the spiritual water that was offered to her will bubble up from within her bubble up from within Jesus is talking about, I want to give you something that this water can't provide for you. This water would just give you temporary relief, but the water I want to give you will heal you. will make you whole again. will provide everlasting life in you through the power of the spirit. The Israelites had to pick up manna every day in order to satisfy their need. They had to physically pick up the manna. But with Jesus, he is the bread that satisfies all time. He is the bread of life. He is the bread of life. Verse 36, but as I told you, you have seen me and still you do not believe. 
You know, this is an interesting conversation when you begin to look at it. Because at this point, Jesus is actually quite fussed with the, the, the listeners, those he's having this conversation with. Because their hearts are paralyzed by their physical condition or lack of revelation from the feeding of the 5,000. After the people saw the sign Jesus performed by, uh, they began to say, surely this is a prophet who is to come into the world. Jesus knew that they intended to come and make him king and force him to be their king. They wanted a king. Isn't that amazing? They wanted a king. And why did they want a king church? They wanted a king because they wanted a provider. They wanted someone to help them overcome the Roman rule and oppression. You see, even his disciples wanted this. If you remember in the book of Acts, when it said, when the disciples having a conversation with Jesus about when would the kingdom of Israel be restored? They wanted a king. Even as, if, if Jesus had truly became king, if they made him king, his disciples would have been all in on it as well. Yes. So what do they want? They wanted someone to provide for their needs, their daily needs. They wanted someone to just give them church, the stuff. And I just want to tell you, church, how does the church today begin to break poverty mindsets? I don't want to equate this to economy. I'm talking about spiritual poverty. And so sad to say that this mindset is in the church about poverty mindsets. It lives and breathes in our culture. It lives around us. Our culture is influenced by, our church culture is influenced by, in many cases in, the, in this nation, the world culture. And when we look at the world culture around us, the world culture tells us so many different things, what we can have, who we can become, what we, what we are entitled to. And it often has seen many saints in the life of the church just leave the body of Christ to satisfy a need for a world system. That when Jesus said, you are in this world, but not of this world. If Christ is, says, I'm just going to get a little ahead of myself. All those the father gives me, Jesus says, will come to me and whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. In Christ, there is no rejection. This salvation, though, is from God, just as Jesus' origin is from heaven. So too is our salvation is from heaven. This is a free and precious gift from God. There is a permanence and assurance for us to receiving of this satisfaction hinges on this. It hinges on belief. Do you believe? Do you believe church? Do you believe? You believe what does belief look like for you? What does belief look like for you? Are we hinging on the things of the world? Are we hinging on our supply demand, our physical needs, and even to some degree our spiritual needs? Because I believe what the church, um, I don't want to beat up our nation, but the church I believe in our country and today is more of a surface relationship on the top versus going deep down in. Surface relationships looks like something. Surface relationship is, actually, I'm getting fussed with the church. If I don't see where the pastor up front is talking about my, my needs are being met and my needs aren't being met, so I'll just give this thing up. This doesn't work for me. 
I'll just get it my own way. I watched the documentary and this gentleman in this documentary was an atheist. And he happened to interview this very prominent American pastor. Sad to say the atheist question. Um, this was his question. He says, do you believe today there are too many churches in our inner cities? <laughs> so do you believe there are too many churches in our inner city? And the pastor said, the, the gentleman said this. Well, what do you mean by that question? Are there too many churches? He says, well, just think about the, the economic crisis we're faced with today. Do you think we should start talking about economic mobility, about revitalizing our communities to bring in businesses and to see financial institutions uh, impacting uh, the communities? The gentleman said this. Well, if that is the question, then my answer is, I don't know if there's too many churches. <laughs> Folks, in other words, this is the this is the the point. There aren't enough churches right now. There aren't enough Bible filled, Bible spirit filled, word and spirit churches right now. There aren't enough New Testament churches right now. There aren't enough churches that have community right now. There aren't enough churches that are seeing um, the community of God activated. There aren't enough churches discipling. There aren't enough churches developing leaders or releasing or going to the nations, preaching the gospel. There aren't enough churches. There aren't enough churches. I want to just take us into this Matthew 4 text, and I just want to put some uh, notes to it as well. Remember the Matthew 4, it says, Jesus defeats the schemes of Satan in the wilderness. Jesus fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, and the tempter Satan tells him, if you are the son of God, then tell these stones to become bread. Uh, what type of bread is Satan referring to? He's talking about physical bread, that spoil, that will rot. It says, in other words, rely on the power of God. See, so what is Satan saying? Jesus, uh, just rely on your power. You don't need the power from on high. Just rely on your own power. Jesus could have done so. He's Jesus. He could have relied on his power because the father had given him the power. But Jesus says, man shall not live on bread alone, physical bread, but on every word, spiritual bread that proceeds from the mouth of God. Our relationship with Jesus gives us strength to be in relationship with him by the power of the Holy Spirit and become like him, declaring the word victoriously in our lives as we digest, as we digest church, the word, our spiritual food, because of the sacrificial work on the cross that Jesus had done for us, that we are able to come into and be the word that he has called us to be in this time where we live right now and beyond it says declaring the word victoriously in our lives as we digest, as we digest the word, our spiritual food, we become exactly what we eat. Remember that question. You know, what are we eating? Right. Are you familiar with the term? Are you familiar with this term? What you are, what you eat. Are you familiar with that church? And so get this. We are able to stand firm in our faith because of Jesus the word made flesh. He's fully able to understand and empathize with us in our weaknesses, church. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just like we have been, you know. And just as we are yet, says just as we are yet, he did not satisfy. I'm sorry. He just as says, but we have no one. We have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are yet. 
He did not sin, meaning Jesus is without sin. Spiritual sustenance will fill our inner man. Jesus places a well in us that will overflow and satisfy our hunger to resist the tempter, the temptations of this world. The well that's within you will bubble up like the Samaritan well, will bubble up. Is that a reality for his church? The bubble up often doesn't occur because what we see with these often make the most sense to us. What is, our, what is Jesus telling us, folks? You see, the overflow will quench you. The overflow will allow you to function outwardly in who Jesus has called us to be. Jesus refers to himself as spiritual bread that gives spiritual life through a relationship with him. Yes, Jesus desires us to hunger and thirst for him, for righteousness. For Matthew 4 tells us that those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, they shall be filled. They shall be satisfied. They shall receive the benefits of being in relationship with Jesus. Jesus' mission is to bring salvation to the world. In him and in salvation is the bread of life. Where there is no more hunger and thirst. It is what we have always been longing for. When we partake of the bread of life, we are fulfilling our destiny for this is what God has always intended for us to become. Jesus was sent for us. I want to just read Luke chapter seven, Luke chapter 10. And in this text, it says this, I think it's verse 10 through 17. It says this, the 72 returned with joy and said, this is when Jesus sent out the 72 disciples to go witness from town to town. He says this, the 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. And he replied, I saw Satan fall like a lightning from heaven. And I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, 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 church, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Rejoice that your names are written in heaven. When Jesus said and wrapping up here, church, when he says, I am, what is he saying? What is he meaning by that? Saying this, it is the ultimate statement of self-sufficiency, self-existence, immediate presence. God's existence is not contingent upon anyone else. His plans are not contingent upon any circumstances. He promises that he will be what he will be, and that is, he will be the eternally constant God. He stands ever-present, unchangeable, completely sufficient in himself to do what he wills to do and to accomplish what he wills to accomplish. Church, I want to ask if we can pray. Because I honestly believe I honestly believe there's two things taking place right now. One is if you've never said yes to Jesus and you want something 
sustenance, not the value of the world. You've strived for that so long and it's exhausting. But you desire something that is rich. I'm saying that your life will be perfect. I'm saying that your life will be rich in every way. Your eternal destiny will be solidified. More than anything, your salvation, between your salvation and your eternity, there will be a life journey that you'll begin to experience the overflow of Jesus. How many of you want that today? How many of you desire to be in a relationship with our King that will see your life change where you are no longer in the world, but you are part of the kingdom of God? If that is you, right where you are, if you are willing, and if you are um, okay with this, I want to ask that you just raise your hand. And I want to ask if leaders can come around and just pray for those folks, if we may do so. It's not to embarrass you. It's just that we would like to ask that we want to come alongside of you, if that's who you are. Amen. Hey, and if there's anyone streaming in, just right where you are, you don't have to be right here. You can just confess with your mouth and believe with your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord. And the Bible tells us that you will be saved. Yes, you will be saved. Second, how many of you today desire to go deep with Jesus? You desire to get in a deep relationship with the Lord and this thing about the bubble up. I see that in someone right now that in your spirit, I feel like you want to bubble up, but there's just a, a cap right on top of the, the what Jesus is wanting to release and well up in you. And I just believe the Lord is saying, I have removed the cap. I have removed it. And the well is filled. How many of you desire that well to be refilled today? How many of you desire to have a fresh revelation of the power of God in your life? Not only for you, but for those around you, that it overflows out of you into your community, into the world we live in, into the nations. How many of you desire to well up with that? And I want to pray for you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus. There is a release of your spirit upon men and women and young people in here right now. Lord, not that I demand it or command it. It's because your word says so, Lord. That, Father, that you are wanting to release, Lord, an overflow that will not hinge on a system, a world system, will not hinge on situations or circumstances. It will hinge on belief in you, the power of your spirit. Father, I pray that their eyes will be open, Lord. Fresh revelation received, Jesus. Fresh anointing. Fresh, Lord, even something about the word appearance, Lord. Father, for you, you even change everything from within and from without, Lord. I pray, Lord, 
physical, emotional appearance, Lord. Physical, emotional pain, Lord, where appearances have been scarred and marred, Lord, by the thing of just hurt within, Lord. Now, Father, you want to release something outward, Lord, that will see one become whole in you, Jesus. Father, I pray that eyes of understanding from the inside out, Lord, will be enlightened, Lord, that men and women, Lord, would know the hope to which they've been called by your spirit, Lord. Pray this, Lord. Pray this, Lord, a spirit of wisdom and revelation, Lord, so we can know you better, Lord. We can know you, Lord, intimately, deeply, Lord, deep within, Lord, deep, Lord, that we, Lord, that we not put a cap on anything, what we do, Lord. We are willing, Lord, to surrender fully to you, Jesus, that you go deep within, Lord, Father, deep, I just believe someone now, many of you are receiving that, that, Lord, deep within, breaking roots, Lord, cultural roots, barriers, Lord, striving for systems, Lord, striving for the world, Lord, deep within, Lord, that we may well up, Lord, and bring joy into what we are doing, Lord. We set our hands to, Lord, joy, what we think, Lord, joy, adjusting how we think, Lord, how we live, how we breathe, Lord, how we begin to eat, Lord. Lord, the provision of heaven, Lord, the provision of heaven, Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for the provision of heaven, that you are the power source and the life source, Lord. Yes, our daily sustenance, but Lord, our spiritual man, our inner man, the inner work and what you're doing within. In Jesus' name we pray. Jesus' name we pray. We thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen, church. Thank you. Amen. Amen. Jesus, the bread of heaven. Uh, I was thinking of all those are you are what you eat campaigns. I was remembering uh, Wendy's was uh, where's the beef. It was, <laughs> <I was like, laughs> um, what we eat matters, but how we get our sustenance matters as well. Uh, I think so many in today's world or we we've we've been told in our in our culture that you can be anything you want to be you can become what you want to be you can uh, get anything you want if you just work hard enough and this this thing is is so opposite of that you cannot work hard enough for this bread because you can't work for it you have to receive it jesus gives this to us it's just this free free gift and we have this free gift that we get to keep going back to, and yet somehow we still feel like we have to earn it and, and work for it. It's a free gift. Seek first. Seek first this gift, Jesus, the bread of life. Uh, I pray that uh, that is your sustenance, um, not just today, but tomorrow and, and the seasons to come. Hey, we're so thankful that uh, you were here this morning. Oof. Uh, if you are a visitor this morning, uh, you might have one of these cards in front of you. Uh, if you would care to fill it out uh, and pass it on to one of us leaders. We would love to uh, be in contact with you and we're not going to badger you, but we would just love to get to know you. That's part of what we do as community. Uh, we don't want to get in your business and, you know, ask you for money. It's not what we're about, uh, but we would like to be connected with you. We would like to, um, you know, tell you our story. We'd love to hear yours and we would love to build a, a stronger connection. And so um, if you are uh, brave enough to fill out one of these and pass it on to one of us, 
us, uh, we would definitely love to reach out to you. I want to thank you all for being here. Please do not forget to take one of these with you. Uh, if you see an extra one in the seats next to you, you can take that one too. It's cool. We're not greedy. Um, and, and pass it on to someone. And we would love to see some new faces next week as we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. Amen. Awesome. Hey, have a wonderful week. Uh, it is Holy Week. Uh, I'm not saying that you have to do anything different because every week is holy for those who are sanctified in Jesus. Uh, but listen, we have a, a wonderful, significant opportunity this week. People's hearts are being drawn to the Lord this week because most people understand that it is it is Easter. Use that as a tool. Use that as a tool to lead people and to wonderful conversations about our King. Amen. See you guys soon. Have a great week.